Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, and I think we do have our guests on the line. Do we have Carrie on the line? You do. Hello. Fantastic. So I'm excited to welcome the program, 1996 gold medalist gymnast, Carrie Strug. Carrie, thanks for calling, and uh, I appreciate you stopping by today. Well, I'm excited to be with you. Um, I have some important messaging I'm hoping to share with everyone, and um, it's a great day. So thanks for having me. It, before we get to that, but I think it's so important because, I mean, I suffer from pain and things like that. I want you to take us back to the greatest highlight of your life, that gold medal and then the injury. <laughs> Can you take us back to what you were thinking that day? And when it happened. Okay. Well, um, over the last two decades, I have been asked this quite a bit. Um, but as you stated, it is one of the highlights of my life and a moment that I'm very proud of, that I was able to kind of overcome my fears and believe in myself and my dreams and focus on the task at hand. Um, the U.S. Women's Gymnastics team was in contention for their first ever gold medal. We had done remarkably well on all the apparatuses and we were down to the vault and things started faltering kind of from the beginning um, in the warm-up the last two competitors into to practice the vault that they would compete and then the first um, couple of girls that went up for team usa did all right but weren't hitting everything magnificently like we were on the other events and then my teammate dominic muchanu went up and fell on both of her vaults so I had a lot of pressure going in, but I was confident in myself and my ability to complete the vault successfully. Uh, but then I, too, <laughs> fell on that first vault and injured my ankle. Um, it had already been hurting. I was all wrapped up and things like that, but something really happened there. Um, but, you know, my teammates had done their part, and I had to do mine. And so I looked at my coach for some encouraging words, who, as I think a lot of people remember, just said, you can do it, Carrie, you can do it. And that yeah. was enough because I had put in all the effort and all the hard work and my muscle memory knew what to do. And I think um, that adrenaline rush definitely helped me get through that vault as well. So once you stuck it, what was the feeling? I mean, you know, looking back that many years now, I know you've been asked the question so many times, but how did that feel once you did it? You said, oh, my gosh. I know you believed in yourself, but once it happened, you said, wow, because you, you've done that so many times and it didn't and and sometimes you did fail even if you believed you could exactly i think for me that vault just has a lot of significance um in the gymnastics community i was known as the girl who had a lot of talent but couldn't always put it together when it counted most and so to have all eyes on me and finally do what i knew i was capable of was extremely meaningful of course i was in a lot of pain so um there was a lot of emotions going through me i was ecstatic that we had won gold um but also you know in a lot of pain and worried about the future competitions that were coming up the individual and all-around finals absolutely so that was great let's go to this now talking about where you are today and we'll get into this whole pain <laughs> situation because i suffer from back pain because i was a former professional wrestler carrie i mm -hmm. uh had a serious accident a year ago with an American girl ball toy that broke and lacerated my toe. Can you believe that one? A bed. I'm a big six foot 10 guy, but I've gone through lots of pain and then choosing what to do. Should I live with the pain or should I take something? So tell us a little bit about 
where you are today, and we'll get right into the survey and everything. Well, today I am a working mother, and I have two little toddlers, so clearly I'm not um, doing flips any longer in the (laughs) gymnastics arena, but I am still very active, and I do have a lot of aches and pains, too. Um, But, you know, I think that is part of life, and we can all get relief through over-the-counter pain medications, but we need to make sure that we really assess our personal health profile. We think about the medications that we're taking, our age, um, before we just reach for that over-the-counter pain relief. Um, Oftentimes, life is very busy, and we just do what we instantaneously feel like we should do. We don't have a lot of time to sit back and research things, but our health is of utmost importance, and so I wanted to partner with McNeil and remind everybody to take a little extra time to really read that drug fact label. Um, If you're not sure about certain things and you want to get a lot more information, you can go to getreliefresponsibly.com. Or, of course, you can always turn to your pharmacist or healthcare professional to assist you with choosing that correct over-the-counter pain reliever because they're not interchangeable. They're not all the same. And what's right for one individual at one point in their life will change um, possibly in another part of their life. Or, you know, what's right for one person is not necessarily what's right for another. So um, I'm just hoping that I can spread the message that your health is of utmost importance. And I hope you'll take the time to think about the safety factors associated with over-the-counter pain relievers that assist us so much. I think so many of us have aches and pains. Um, but that we need to, you know, be careful with as well. Now let's 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 look at this, uh, Carrie. Uh, in a little bit, this is a great point you were able to make and stuff. That uh, people just take it just to say, okay, because it's OTC, no big deal. I'll go ahead and take <laughs> as many as I can. You know, the bottle says, oh, well, I, I'll figure it out for myself. It causes lots of issues, and from this survey, you found out that a lot of people aren't really educating themselves. Isn't that correct? Well, I think a lot of people are thinking about how quickly that over-the-counter pain reliever will assist them and how effectively, you know, it is for them. But in addition to that, it's really important to think of safety factors such as your age, um, other medications that you're taking, and um, just your overall personal health profile. So if you know you have a pre-existing health condition, you really need to take a look at the active ingredients in your medication and assess things from there. Absolutely. And uh, when you were when you were um, researching and seeing what and taking the survey, what were your what was surprising to you about what you thought even about OTCs and stuff? Well, I think again. Um, you know, as a young athlete and as a busy mom, I definitely reach for over-the-counter pain relievers on a regular basis. Um, and it opened my eyes to that, you know, yes, although they are very beneficial, there are some risks associated with them. And I want to be around a long time, you know, for my kids, and I want to be as healthy as possible. And so although I'm always in a hurry, I'm more willing now. I know it's important to, you know, check with my pharmacist or healthcare professional, or um, of course, always read and follow the drug fact label. 
whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, it's important that you do that because um, the ingredients change, your health changes, and um, yes. it's just of utmost importance to take those few extra moments. And of course, as I indicated earlier, you can always find a lot of helpful information on the web, you know, websites today and getreliefresponsibly.com was developed um, with the survey in mind, and it has a lot of information that can assist everyone with safely choosing their over-the-counter pain reliever. I was blown away by these survey findings. Again, nearly half did not consider prescription medicines they were currently taking, and I think about that too, and my wife's really good about this, Carrie, that she'll go ahead and say, she'll call the pharmacist even if she's you know, she has to take something because, you know, she's got strep throat or something else. She's a school teacher. And she'll say, you know, can I take this with this medication? That's very important to know because sometimes there can definitely be side effects. Yes, um, that's great that your wife is so conscientious. And that's why I partner with McNeil. We're just hoping to get the word out there and to educate consumers that, um you know, take the necessary precautions, make sure that you're choosing the right OTC pain reliever for you um, based on your health profile, your age, the medicines you take, your healthcare conditions, and um, also make sure you stick to the recommended dose and um, know the active ingredient in your medicine. You want to be sure to take only one medicine that contains the same type of active ingredient at a time. And then, of course, you don't want to take the OTC pain reliever longer than directed on the label um, unless your healthcare provider has specifically told you it's all right. So we just want to remind people um, once again that where the counter pain relievers are very beneficial. They help many of us in our day-to-day -day activities, but that there are some risks associated, but you can avoid those risks if you're careful and you educate yourself and you think of the safety factors. Um, that are related to you. You use it responsibly, Karen. That's the thing. We got to use these pain relievers uh, responsibly. And you always check, and you also don't overdo it, too, right? You're not, you know, at times, you know, you could be in a lot of pain, but, you know, through stretching or going and doing certain things, some of those pains are going to go away. So that I'll take it at certain times, but you're not always deciding, I'm, I'm going to, using it as a crutch, right, Carrie? That's not a good idea either, right? Well, no. Um, you know, I am not a healthcare provider, but no, that doesn't sound like a good idea. If you check the drug facts label, there usually um, is a length of time that you're directed to take the medication, and we don't recommend anyone taking it longer than that unless their healthcare provider has recommended. Um, so, of course, you know, you want to turn to those over-the-counter pain relievers for relief and to assist you with those aches and pains. But again, you need to be smart about it. It's not candy and you should not be using it uh, right. regularly long-term unless your health well, provider has told you. Absolutely. And this is a great message you're getting out there, Carrie, because a lot of people feel that they're informed, but by going to this website, they really can, by taking the survey, they can really look at themselves in the mirror and say, am I really utilizing OTCs in the right way? Am I using it responsibly, and am I taking all these factors into consideration? And that's great that you're able to come out and, and talk about this and discuss this because you know as a mom, there's going to be aches and pains. There's going to be days that 
you know, you have even the headaches. We didn't bring up that character. We all have headaches at times with kids and how noisy and loud they can be. I have five of my own, so I know this for a oh, fact goodness. that, you know, you're going to have to – you're going to have to go ahead and take those meds. So, but do it responsibly. Talk to the the pharmacist. So the best place, again, the website, one more time, Carrie, for people to find info on it. Is www.getreliefresponsibly.com. And we have places we can follow you or check you out and stuff. I checked out your website. It's really cool. Uh, places they can find info on you. Where can we go? Well, I do have a website, um, Strug.org, as well as a Twitter account, CarrieStrug96. Um, but really today, I just wanted to share the message regarding the U.S. Pain Foundation's survey and let everybody know, you know, this is really important. And I'm happy to be partnering with McNeil and letting everybody know that over-the-counter pain relievers really are beneficial, but we need to be careful in how we use them. And I'm sure, Carrie, you're proud of the girls, too, in the 2016 Olympics, right? How well they did. Yes, the final five, as they called themselves, were phenomenal. They were just fabulous. They dominated the rest of the competition, and I'm extremely proud of them. Right now, they're all on a gymnastics tour that's traveling the nation. So if anybody has the opportunity, they should go check it out and we should relish all their accomplishments. USA Gymnastics has come a long way in the last 20 years and I'm glad that I was a part of it. And um, I'm sure we're just gonna continue to bring home many more medals and represent the United States in a positive manner. So it was a very exciting game. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck being a, a mom and uh, and doing and, and out there providing great information to people about pain relief and things like that. So I appreciate you calling, Carrie, and best of luck. Well, thank you. Thanks again for having me. And I wish everybody the best um, with their lifestyles and hope once again they'll take a second look and think about things before they reach for that over-the-counter pain reliever. Thank you. Absolutely, Carrie. Thanks for bringing that awareness. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me on Twitter at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, and neilhaley.com. And I want to see if we have Audrey on the line. Audrey, are you on the line? We're back to Total Celebrity Show, and I'm excited to welcome the program from NBC's blind spot, Audrey Espraza. Audrey, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm I'm excited uh, to talk to you today because again, Blind Spot, again a fabulous show season, the second season, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you're pumped up about uh, the second season, aren't you? Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, um, season one is wonderful. It's a fantastic season. It's exciting. But I have to say that um, I'm in the middle of of shooting episode eight of season two, and season two is a better episode. But you go, season two is a better season. It's more exciting. Um, We're diving deeper into the characters, um, who's good and who's bad. It's really confusing (laughs) Um, and challenging. Um, I'm really excited for audiences to watch it. I'm, I'm very proud of the season. 
And what what happens again is it's so much. Uh, you're in the dark. It starts out again at the beginning with the main character, and you're asking yourself why was she left in the middle of Times Square naked, and why with all these tattoos, and what's the reason? And that's what you question yourself throughout right. the first season, right, Audrey? Right, and um, that specific question is 100% answered in the first episode of season two. We find out exactly where Jane Doe is from, um, who she's working for, what that means, and how she um, moves on, moves going forward is where things get a little tricky and complicated. Yeah, they they get they get tricky and complicated, and 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 your character gets. Uh, we find out more and more of what about your character, right? So, Audrey, tell us a little about your character. She is tricky and complicated. <laughs> That's interesting. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about her and uh, what to expect this season. Sure, um, I play a character named Tasha. Um, she is an FBI agent. She's very good at her job. She's incredibly guarded emotionally because she's such a vulnerable person. Um, she's tough on the outside. She's pretty soft on the inside. Um, I have such a good time playing her because she's so much braver <laughs> than I am. Right. And and was that, is that hard for you? Let's look at your life and growing up and things like that to play a role like this. I... Um, I never imagined getting to play a, a role like this, but I'm I'm so I'm so happy to play it. I'm um I'm challenged by her um all the time. Um all of the physical stuff, all of the action, the gun holding, that was all new to me. But I um I, I didn't I didn't expect to be challenged by her emotionally just because she is um so guarded on the outside, but um pretty pretty um pretty vulnerable pretty vulnerable and uh and again when you have a role like this you got to like put forget a lot of your past even if you don't want to you you have to kind of because you could your your life could depend on it so you have to kind of keep yourself uh focused on your job which again leads to a lot of issues later 100%. on yeah, yeah yeah because of the motion just yeah 100% the, you know. i think yeah, I think another 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 thing about Tasha is in her fearlessness, she she's very she can be for the good of the job very reckless with her own life, both personally and at work. Um, that's not something I relate to personally, so playing it is really exciting. I don't I don't know if she always cares whether she's going to live or die, and. Um, it's so much fun to play. Yeah. And I just can imagine a situation where, you know, you're fearful for your life, but you can't show that you're fearful for your life. And there are lots of people on this show that you can't trust and you try to still have a personal life. And that's the challenge that police officers, right. FBI agents, they all have to deal with on a daily basis that we don't understand sometimes. Yeah, I um, we're, we're fortunate enough to work very closely with several agents, and I recently had a conversation with a former female agent um, who's an amazing woman um, that I deeply admire, and I asked her about her personal life, and she and 
I asked her if they just kind of hung out with each other. And she said, yeah. She said, nobody gets it like your partner. Nobody nobody knows what it is to see the things that you've seen except for your fellow agents. So that was so interesting to me because that's pretty much what we do on the show. Now, Jamie's character, we're going to be surprised throughout this year, too, of how she develops once she more and more learns about the past of what yeah. happened, right? Yes. Um, as I mentioned, um, the first episode of season two um, lets you know exactly where she came from, where her origins are, right. are made more clear. But I think in terms of her dynamics with the team, um, their leader, Mayfair, was killed, and the team feels that Jane Doe is very much responsible for it. So she has a, a lot of making up to do. I mean, just to put it really simple, like, we've aired two episodes, and nobody likes Jane in episode two. Everybody's pretty upset. <laughs> well, we have to do it in, in so many ways, Audrey. Myself, I, and I think you understand this now, we don't always want to spoil things because people catch up in episodes in the, the strangest ways. On the weekend, they're going to go and binge watch the first two episodes. Like, I was, uh, I'm not even caught well, up on I my phone. <laughs> and that's the nice thing about on demand and the ability to view it online and stream it anywhere that sometimes our busy schedules right at the beginning of the year, then it's time to catch up before it gets cold and, and everything. So I'm definitely going to tune into season two for sure and catch up. I'm just kind of not spoiling it for yeah, other people. Season two and great. And we have all of, all of season one is available on Hulu. Yeah, I just think it's a fantastic storyline. I love a storyline that keeps me wanting more. And Audrey, that's what Blind Spot does, keep you wanting more, for sure. That's right. That's right. Okay, so we got to tune in uh, Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central to Blind Spot. Where's the best place we can find information on you? Fall, you learn more about you. How can we connect with you? I'm very new to social media and have been on Instagram for all of a month and a half, but you can definitely find me on Instagram. Okay, so Instagram's your place. Okay. Everyone has their favorite social media, Audrey. This is my place. It's new. I'm figuring it out. <laughs> I'll give you a quick tip. Use about 20 or 30 hashtags, but use stuff that you really want them to find you based on Blindspot and NBC, and you will you will blow up Instagram. Trust me, Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll take I'll take your advice. All right. Thanks, Audrey, for calling and I appreciate you taking the time. Take care. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Bye bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show and we'll be back Thanks. in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley Facebook, and I think we do have our guest on the line. LaMonica, are you on the line? I am. So I'm excited to welcome the program uh, from De- ABC's designated survivor, LaMonica Garrett. LaMonica, thanks for calling, and I am pumped up for the show. I've not watched it yet, but the previews have just been absolutely tremendous because can you imagine this happening in our re- really happening? I mean, wow. Yeah, the premise is uh, it's eerily, you know, relevant. Record, you know, what's going on right now with the election year and all that stuff. But just in general, the premise is, is it's creepy. It is, because uh, until uh, for our listeners have not seen it, I mean, to imagine uh, this happening where during a State of the Union address, everyone dies. 
and all that's left is one cabinet, low member, cabinet member that has become president. Wow. I mean, LaMonica, I'm sure when you read the script, you said, oh, my. Oh, that script, it was it was a page-turner. It was definitely one of those scripts that uh, I think Kiefer said he was planning on not doing it, but he had to read it just to give them a good answer why he doesn't want to do it. And when he read it, he said this is one of the best scripts he's ever read, so he had to jump on it, and it was really that good. And it sometimes the script is really good, and it doesn't translate into the, you know, the show after you shoot it. But I think we did a good job of, of capturing the essence of it. And again, and to not spoil it, so people can definitely tune in to uh, Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, to, the, again, the second show of Designated Survivor. Uh, we're going to find out specifically what's happening, who was involved, things like that. But let's talk a little about your character, LaMonica, Mo- La and then we'll get into specifically enough thinking about working with Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, come on now. Look at how unbelievable his last show was. What an opportunity for you, you know? Yeah, no, this is definitely huge, and I've been a Keeper fan since since Lost Boys, and you know, stand by like old school, a few good men. So when I had the opportunity to work with him, and during the audition process, I had three or four auditions for the show, and the last audition was to read with him one on one, and that was kind of surreal. Right. And that went really well, and it was just, yeah, it's it's a great experience. So let's learn about your character in the show. Yeah, my character is uh, Mike Ritter. He's the Secret Service agent that's assigned to the Kirkman family and pretty much the White House. And he was with this family before all this happened. So he was familiar with the children. He was familiar with what they were going through. He was always around. And when uh, the Kirkman, when Keeper Sutherland, Tom Kirkman gets thrusted into that presidency role, it's like this hurricane around him. Like it all happened so fast and. You know, everything he knew was was not there anymore, and everything was changing. But my character is pretty much that anchor, that calm in the storm that he can lean on, that unwavering presence, and kind of helps him get through this subtly. So what kind of low member of the cabinet was Kiefer anyways? What, uh, that Just not to spoil a lot of what happened the first episode, yeah. He, he was a secretary of housing and urban development, <laughs> so he was at that... that bottom ring of the ladder like you're in the cabinet but you're you're not really qualified you didn't go through that grooming process to be a president so it's kind of like an every man ends up there exactly and it just shows you again how important and we're going to see throughout the show how important it is to have experience being the president right i mean having uh more experience to be a leader like that that's definitely going to be touched upon throughout the show experience is everything Right. Experience and preparation, but that experience, you know, like you could, you can go through school, you could know everything you need to know, but when you're put in that situation, it's different. And every situation he's going through right now is different. And even if you have experience in a situation to be a president, the situation he's in, no, no experience prepares you for that. So he has a double load on his shoulders. He definitely has. It's just a yeah. Really fascinating, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> he definitely has a, a, a something on his shoulders because, again, think about it. You know, a low member of the cabinet. Am I ever going to get the opportunity to be president of the United States? I was friends with the president. I got appointed. We all know those things, LaMonica, when you look at a cabinet in, in a lot of different ways. 
And now he's thrust into this. And again, it's it's a war. We don't know because we were not going to spoil this. Uh, people definitely got to tune in. Uh, Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, to the second episode, and then catch back up on demand for sure, LaMonica. I already told my wife, we're gonna. this is going to be one of our shows we're going to watch. Trust me. I just, I said to her, oh, awesome. I, yeah. I, I, but I have not watched it yet. That's why I'm kind of just trying to promote people tune in Wednesday, and I always catch up. I have five kids of my own, LaMonica. There's no way I'm ever going to catch up till the weekend. So that's why no one spoil anything. No one spoil anything for me. So your character again is keeping him grounded, protecting him and keeping him grounded and and explaining to him the importance of what he, the role he has now. And I mean, and again, he had a lot of friends that died in this too, right? Yeah. And I think he, he knows the role. I think he knows the levity of what's going on, but sometimes you just need to escape. Like, you just need to, is this really happening? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it feels like a dream because it happens so fast, and his friends are gone. He has, you know, people that he was working with that same day, they're all gone. Right. And the only people that's there pretty much is his family and, and, and me. Wow. <laughs> so that it's like retooling so everything. Like, yeah. Everything. Everything he's known is, is yeah, I don't want to spoil it for you, but, yeah, that's that's the that's the gist of it, the first episode. And it's the way the writer and creators, they did it, they had the, uh, the capital blow up within the first five minutes because it's not, the show's not about that. That's the premise of it, but they got that out the way, and now it's starting to put together the pieces. They wanted to get to him picking up the pieces, and I think that was, that was really good how they how they arced that. And and we're gonna see a lot of action too, aren't we, Lamonica? We're gonna see a lot of action in this, aren't we? There's gonna be some there's gonna be some action and it's a it's a smart, thought provoking show. It's a political drama, so it you know it's extremely timely with an election year and all that. And it has that's one element. It has that crime drama conspiracy thriller uh, thriller aspect, you know, the who done it and why with the FBI right. storyline trying to figure out where this happened or why this happened with Maggie Q heading that up. And I think most of all, it's a, it's a family drama. You know, how did he keep his family together? Not just the country, but he has a family that's kind of spiraling out and he has to keep them tight. And I think there's something for everybody, for every different genre of television you like, there's a lot of those aspects in this show. Okay, so we got everyone tuned in Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, ABC, but also LaMonica, where can we follow you and learn more about you? Where can we go? Um, I'm also on a show called The Last Ship. Um, I'm on Twitter at LaMonica Garrett, Instagram LaMonica Garrett, uh, and Facebook LaMonica Garrett. So, yeah, and Wednesday nights, Mike Ritter. Hi, and you're, you're, you're staying busy. Are you live tweeting at all? Are you getting involved in that at all with the live tweets during the show? I did, yeah. Yeah, I did. It, it was, uh, I was in L.A. during the pilot, but now I'm back in Toronto, so I think we'll be live tweeting with the cast. Um, on uh, Wednesday night. Awesome. Hopefully we're not working. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll figure it out. All right, LaMonica, thanks for taking the time. Best of luck in the show and your other show as well. And people need to check you out. And I appreciate you coming on and talking about the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Thanks again. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to total celebrity show. And we'll be back in just a moment. 
Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, Google Plus, and also on Periscope at Total Tutor. And I think we do have our guest on the line. Lorraine, are you on the line? I sure am. Good morning. Good morning. So I'm excited to welcome to our program Lorraine Toussaint of Fox TV's Rosewood. Lorraine, I can't believe it's an, it's another season. I'm, I'm sure you're pumped up about it. I'm so excited. I, I, I can believe it. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have we have come out of the gate strong, and it's, uh, if you love the first season, the second season is going to be even m- more amazing. Um, the great art. My character has just lost her mind this season. I'm having so much fun with this storyline. Well, and, and let's go a little bit more into the storyline. Last time we chatted, we just learned a little bit about the show and everything, but more about your storyline. Uh, well, this year, Donna Rosewood, I'd say the matriarch of this family, she has, she's become involved with someone in prison, and it's it, she's involved with this extraordinary case of someone that came to her attention in prison where she has literally dropped everything is about to spend her own money on this person's um, case. It is going to rip the entire family apart. She brings her family into helping her solve this case. And uh, uh, it's a very, very interesting case on a, on, on, on the forensic level, but also on the, it, it takes its toll on the Rosewood family. She just done it and lost her mind this season. <laughs> and 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 you like these kind of characters, don't you, Lorraine? Playing these kind of characters, I I do because you know um, I like the complexity of the human spirit. You know, it's uh, where everyone has an interesting story to tell. People, you know, every car that's driving around you, the person driving you, just you have these seemingly anonymous lives. Go to delve into them and where everyone is a movie. And yeah. so uh, I love that. I love how simple and ordinary in many ways Donna Rosewood is and how um, recognizably complex. Um, yes, I do like those kinds of characters. And it sounds like Donna really me- is, is part of the whole... Uh, uh, Donna messes up the Rosewoods in so many ways by just jumping in on these things and really not bringing who she is into this family where things could be going a little bit better situation, especially with a successful business and everything, right? Absolutely, absolutely, because... You know, she's been telling the line and been such the good, the good wife, the good mother, the you know, the good, the school principal and quiet director, and and you know, she has suddenly she is so outside of her wheelhouse in this season that it's really throwing everyone for a loop. It's almost that she does she barely recognizes herself, and it's you know, it's so jarring when your parents change up on you. Right. And you just go, wait a minute, did my mother just dye her hair pink? Exactly. You know, what is happening with my mom? And it's so, and especially when it comes to, you know, the, the son who feels like he's the protector of the mother at this point, and she is gone buck wild. <laughs> and she's going on, she's daring to live her own life again. How dare she, you know? So it's a, it's a wonderful adult parent 
dynamic that we're going to see this season. And again, Morris Chestnut plays your son in the, in the show, and uh, he oh, yeah. and he's he's the do- he's the um, doctor, correct? That goes and uh, he's yeah, the, the private Emmy, yes. So that it's a, it's also procedural drama where every week we've got a, a very interesting case in the body that Morris has to solve the case via uh, this family-owned business, yes. <laughs> and the family-owned business, and Donna is the one that's messing up the apple cart, right? And I'm sure his uh, everyone else around them saying, you know, well, she didn't. She just got involved with a man in prison. It's <laughs> so outside her wheelhouse, and so, but she is very passionate about this this man on many different levels, and so some of which even surprises her. Well, it's uh, yeah. It's gonna be it's a it's a fun ride this season for me. Yeah. So tell me because when we were chatting uh, last year, and we could more talk about specifically the fans and how now with the second season, how everyone's getting used to. Okay, Rosewood's coming up, and what's going to happen next with Donna? The connection with your fans and stuff. Now, tell us a little bit about that. Um, it's it's wonderful. On hiatus as I was traveling, um, up until this hiatus, I was mostly being recognized for some of my other work, including Orange, which um, sort of, you know, Netflix came on the scene and made such a huge splash. But suddenly, uh, this summer, as I was moving around and traveling around, more and more and more people were coming up to say how much they loved Rosewood, That's loved great. Neon Rosewood. And so it was a really terrific indicator uh, of that the show has caught on, and we have a really a, a wonderful fan base now. Well, the, also people need to know that they got to like Rosewood on Fox. I mean, on, on uh, Facebook, because again, there's such great updates, Lorraine, all the time of what's going on with Rosewood on Facebook. They have a very good uh, social media following and interaction. I always am seeing them pop up with new things that are happening with the show. So the, kudos to Fox and what they've done with and the we, Rosewood. We, we, yeah. we often live tweet when we're while, while the shows are on, which uh, is very, very fun. So you're really getting you're loving that, right? It's that's that's something really, really new for you in a way because of how this business has changed and how social media is a twenty four seven seven days a week thing. Oh yeah, you know we, we I'm one of those people because I'm I'm you know I'm I'm of a different generation. Uh, I am I'm a technological immigrant. Right, green card barely carrying my green card. And so, yes, we've all had tutorials, and once I get the hang of it, it's it's kind of fun interacting with folks while it, it's a little skitsy, it's a little yeah. weird, um, watching myself and, and talking to people about watching myself, or, um, especially because I don't watch myself. Um, so it, it's interesting. It's kind of fun. It's fun. I, 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 I like to do it. I uh, had friends that were on a TLC show, uh, and I was live tweeting with them, and it was so much fun. We were, I was getting in the interaction to help facilitate the conversation, and it was so funny, Lorraine. It's just like you see all these notifications coming here, 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 and I feel for people because, again, at least, I know. People, yeah, people, are, people have opinions. 
reunion, and they want to, I mean, there's a back-and-forth live chat going on about what they're seeing, everything from, you know, what am I wearing, so what Pippi's wearing, how fine Morris is, uh, they comment on things that uh, immediately... It's so... Listen, you know, I've been in this business a long time, and watching how... Um, immediate yeah. this work has become. It used to be so remote and it is it is it's happening in the moment. I mean it's happening in the moment while we're shooting it sometimes. You know, we're periscoping and we're doing all sorts of things the kids are doing it on set. It's we're we are far more accessible than we've ever been before. Well that's fantastic. Again, people can live tweet tonight, eight PM Eastern on Fox. Uh season premiere so i'm glad you're giving us some clues of what's going to happen with donna uh, i'm glad you gave us some clues of what's happening with donna but best place we can find information on you lorraine follow you on twitter all those places tell us so that we can live tweet tonight for sure Okay, uh, look forward to it, and uh, best of luck with the year and season. And I know that uh, it's great that you guys are are really interacting with the fans because the fans make the show. It, the shows don't leave if the fans are with it, for sure. The, the fans absolutely make the show. And we're so grateful. We have such we have such loyal, uh, loyal, loyal fans. So they've been waiting all summer, and here we are. <laughs> Well, Lorraine, thanks for calling. Best of luck. And uh, update me with anything else that goes on with you. F- feel free to come back on. So thanks again for calling. I sure Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrities Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, Google Plus, and also on Periscope, at Total Tutor. I'm excited to welcome the program from Viceland's Weedakit, Krishna Andavulu. Uh, Krishna, thanks for calling, and how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, now, Krishna, let's go right into, uh, specifically enough, uh, how your approach for this show and what the, the experience of this documentary is. Again, it's on 10 p.m. Eastern Wednesdays on Viceland, but kind of go into the story of marijuana and how you were chosen to be part of this documentary. Yeah, I mean, I think we're living through a time of monumental change for the way that marijuana is perceived and uh, understood by our culture. Not only is it becoming more legal in more states, but it's also being thought of and understood as a medicine for certain ailments, as a multi-billion dollar industry, as, you know, something that came out of the shadows and now is something that is in the light. And I think our approach, you know, we're a documentary series. Uh, We follow characters who basically have a relationship to weed in some fashion that the stakes are really high. Uh, It's either life or death because it's a medicine. It's either, you know, they're going to make it or not by, like, putting it all on the line for a business. Uh, What we're doing is kind of looking at the story by story, chronicling this time of great change Um, and doing it from kind of an insider's perspective. Like, we're not coming coming at weed and being like, you know, giggle, giggle, pot, you know, pot is funny, Cheech and Chong. We're saying, listen, pot is part of people's lives. Like, it's part of my life. It's part of a lot of people I know who I work with lives. Like, it exists. And in the same way that people have a glass of wine, like, people will smoke a joint. So 
rather than coming at it from a standpoint of snickering derision, we try to come at it from a standpoint of, of compassion, of understanding, of trying to be curious about how our country is changing as a result of marijuana being legalized. Now, see, let's, let's, and, and I completely understand, I'm getting more and more educated by uh, marijuana at, advocates coming on the show and then i'm saying oh man you're right about this I'm, i never thought of it like this <laughs> and you know we talk about so the stories again i was checking out some of them on youtube i mean some let's look at ptsd krishna oh my gosh the, yeah. the suffering they're going through if this can help uh aid them in any way so that they don't suffer so b- badly with ptsd it's a great. That's fantastic compared to these uh, these psychiatric drugs that could make them commit suicide. I mean, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you know I think that what that story pointed out to me not only the just ravaging effects of of war can have on people for their the whole their whole lives is that how. Um, backwards the system of testing marijuana is right. the system of uh you know the the way that the institution the, the the way that you can study weed on a clinical level is so backwards it's only you, you can only really do it if you're trying to show that it is bad so if you're if you're exploring its benefits there are like it's harder to do that than it is to test for like meth uh to, to research meth so it's like there are barriers to just understanding, and those barriers are based on old stigmas. And when you see people suffering, when you see veterans, people who like yeah. literally put their life on the line for like our freedoms that we enjoy, uh, they can't be privy to potential benefits because of our backward system. And the crisis is pretty great, right? Like the the stat that is always right. sort of thrown around is really depressing: is that 22 veterans a day commit suicide. So every day uh, yeah. that there is a holdup on seeing if pot can actually help is another day that 22 vets are, are, are dying. Uh, and at this point, I think more people, more veterans have died at home by suicide than on the battlefield in these, this last string of wars. So it's, it's, I think that story to me signifies like how deep marijuana legalization right. and its benefits actually cuts into our society. It cuts to the very fabric of like what we consider American, uh, how freedoms can work. And, and that's what was su- surprising to me, I guess, about sort of doing this kind of reporting that you go into it thinking, you know what, this is weed. It's going to be fun. It's sort of right. strong, but actually it, it is as deep as it gets. And that's, it's also like as a storyteller, as someone, as a journalist, it's, it's a really uh, fertile area for stories like that. It, it, de- it definitely is. And let's look at, uh, I, I, I want to discover one thing I, I saw in the, the that you're going to discover and uncovers the NFL. Thinking about our Pittsburgh Steelers and, and, and as well, the NFL and players after their careers are over in the NFL, and they need uh, involving, they need uh, medical marijuana, but also current players, the pain they go through, the right. agony, and then we're going to go and kick them off the football team. For example, Pittsburgh Steelers, a couple of them are, yep. uh, and, and they're saying, oh, they're just partying. No, they're in absolute pain, right? And are, are you going to cover a little bit yeah. about that with the NFL later in a later episode? Yeah, in season two, it's aired already, but you can watch it uh, sort of on demand. We did a story about Eugene Monroe, who was a um, offensive tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he was one of the few, or at the time, the only 
um, current NFL player who's advocating for uh, weed use by for NFL players or just advocacy for the medicinal benefits for football players and athletes generally. He was subsequently cut while we were oh, filming geez. with him from the Ravens, partly, we think, due to his outspoken nature on this topic. Um, but, yeah, I mean, well, we, we went and sort of visited a, a one-time rival of his, a defensive tackle or defensive lineman from the Cleveland Browns named Brian Schaefering, and we saw the the debilitating effects of repeated hits to the head and concussions. And we saw a 33 year old who was living like he was a 70 year old Mm. and it was uh, hard on his family. And I think like Eugene at the time was kind of deciding whether he would try to sign on with another team or hang up his cleats for his own health. And so that I think was a tipping point in his decision to, to actually retire. Uh, and the, you know, there's sort of like the best kept secret secret in the NFL is that half the players are smoking weed all the time. Yeah. Um, and they do it sure to have fun because they're young, successful yeah. athletes and they deserve to party if they want to, uh, but also for the pain. And I think like there, there is a, a good, deal of emerging anecdotal and now preclinical evidence that pot can have great effects for chronic pain and better better benefits in the long term than opiates. And you see how sort of like our over-reliance on opiates for chronic pain is cashing out into a nationwide epidemic of overdoses and addiction. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like we, 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 I talked to Dr. Ben Amalu, the, the yes. guy from the concussion mm-hmm. movie, the guy who's discovered wow. CTE, yeah. and he said to me something like I, that really sticks with me, which is this, like, true science will always consider the impossible. Like, even if something seems crazy, impossible, it's not going to work, like you're, you're a fool for thinking of it. If you're actually a curious scientific person, you will at least consider those things. And if you think, if you, like, put that, overlay that kind of thinking onto pot, uh, at very least, you have to consider that it might be a better alternative, or, or that it might it might be an alternative. And I think, in in a lot of ways, the stigmas of the past about pot um, inhibit people from being open minded right, about it. Exactly. That's what we're falling away over time. But unfortunately, it still exists in a lot of different areas. And I think the NFL would be a great example of a super powerful organization right. that could the way on this stuff, but decides not to. So I think it goes back to the childs of the 70s and, and the hippies and the, how they were really not working. So they look at marijuana as, oh, people don't have a job. They constantly smoke it all the time. When you're uncovering, these are people that need it because they're suffering. And, and I, I, I watched again yeah. when you talked about PTSD and they're in Washington, D.C. protesting and all these different things that truly they need their help. For me, I was a former professional wrestler. And at times my back is very painful. And I hate taking these muscle relaxers because it it's just literally yeah. shuts me down. And, it's, and, it, and it becomes addictive in certain aspects. And I've seen so many professional wrestlers almost die from uh, the certain muscle relaxers, some of the other ones. That are, while marijuana is something that, you know, again, it's not legal everywhere. And that's, I guess, the goal of this documentary is to uncover these things so you know that there are true stories out there. So where's the best place we can find information on you and learn more about you and uh, how people can tune in on Wednesday nights to Viceland uh, to Weedekit? It's all tell us Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. on Viceland. Uh, you can go to Viceland.com and watch it online. You can VOD it, steal a password, do whatever you need to do, I guess. Uh, but, you know, there is you know, there is a lot of information about what pot can do. There's a lot of – I think what it really comes down to is just uh, 
urging lawmakers to take this as a serious topic. Yeah, uh, and I think, like, even from a documentary standpoint, it's, it was difficult to, like, convince people, hey, this is a serious topic. We should make a show that's serious about this stuff, not just, uh, you know, fun. And and I think that's – it's funny because it's hard to get people's attention when there's so much that's going wrong in the world and there's so much, so many issues that are pressing. But I think pot is this weird key into like an alternative way of thinking about the problems that are presented to us, a, a way of, uh, of, of, of overlaying different values upon the world that we live in. And I think that's what like is so gratifying about covering this stuff yes. is that you see that underneath all this crazy stuff that's happening, there's a lot of compassion and love and caretaking and caregiving and a desire to help people. And I think, like, if you attune yourself to that, if that's what pot can represent to you, then, like, it's a whole new world. Yeah, and, and, and see, I'm more and more getting sold on this, but I remember the days of the back alleys where friends of mine would buy marijuana, okay, and go to the projects where the most dangerous places in the world uh, to go get this. So allowing it to be legalized, we got to do more research, but ultimately if it's a government just doing it so they can make money, how sad is that? And again, documentaries like yourself are going to do that. And can we, we can follow you on Twitter as well, right? Krishna, we can follow. Yeah. yeah. I'm K A K on Devolu at twitter.com. All right. At twitter.com. That's my, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Everyone knows. All right. So good. And I love the new thing on Twitter. You Google yourself. You'll see that your Twitter feed comes up. So I, I love that's a new method. I think that Twitter just unveiled a couple of weeks ago and it's fantastic. So uh, thanks again for uh, calling and thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. And, um, uh... Hope, hope you're doing great. All right. Take care. See ya. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, and I think we do have our guest on the line. Uh, do we have uh, Governor Jesse Ventura on the line? Jesse, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hi, Neil. Hi. I'm so excited to welcome the program, New York Times bestselling author, Jesse Ventura. And Jesse, I'm telling you, this book, I am going to have an interesting conversation with you because I'm sold on some of this, but not some others not. Again, Jesse Ventura's Marijuana Manifesto, uh, he's written, and Jesse, you pretty much want marijuana to be legalized everywhere, right? Does it sound like that to me? Yeah, absolutely. If let me explain. If it wasn't for marijuana right now, my quality of life would be gone. It was mm. gone completely. Someone very close to me developed an epileptic seizure disorder and was having horrible seizures up to three to four times a week. Wow. This person was put on four different pharmaceutical medicines. None of them worked. All had horrible side effects. The person went to Colorado got medical marijuana marijuana, and has been seizure-free now for over two and a half years and is taking no pharmaceuticals whatsoever. And marijuana was the savior to this person's health. Read Steve Cuppy's intro. He had non-operable adrenal cancer and was given a five-year death sentence 35 years ago. He's still alive today, and it's attributed completely to marijuana. So um, do you think that it should be, we should legalize medical marijuana? I mean, it should be medical marijuana? We should legalize all marijuana. All, mar- all marijuana. Well, there's no difference. The whole plant is, ma- let me give it to you this way, okay? Uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Ben Franklin 
would all be raided by the DEA today. They would be arrested and they'd be doing 10 to 12 years in federal <laughs> prison as drug dealers today. Marijuana was the economic backbone of this country for the first 160 years. The British, during the colony days, actually ordered the colonists to grow it because they didn't have enough room over in Britain to grow it. You could actually barter trade it in lieu of money. So what went wrong? Uh, our, our country was phenomenal, growing back then, was achieving economic success. And then along came the 1930s with William right. Randolph Hearst, who wanted to corner the market on paper. By the way, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and Betsy Ross's flag are all made out of marijuana. You oh, my. That it was the dominant force of America 100 back then. It was. And I, th I think it's interesting you say is uh, I rest my case. You rest your, I rest my case. <laughs> you rest your case. Now, what about let's talk about? But once it's legalized, it, kids can't have it. You don't. You think it's a, should be at twenty one, right, or eighteen to you? Or Whatever. Yeah. Choose the age. It should be. It should be treated identically the same as we treat tobacco and the same as we treat alcohol. I've I've made a famous quote. I said. Marijuana is to rock and roll what beer is to baseball. Imagine if they took away beer at the ball game and wouldn't oh, yeah. let anybody have it. They go crazy. They people would go crazy, wouldn't they? Oh, they absolutely. Well, look at it this way: we have this thing in America where we fear certain drugs. Imagine tomorrow if you could make coffee disappear and oh, no gosh. one could get their caffeine addiction in the morning. <laughs> If I couldn't have my coffee, Jesse, I'd be dead. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do in about There you go. <laughs> well, you laugh over it, but it's marijuana's no more. Caffeine's as dangerous as marijuana. Right, right, right. That, nobody has ever died from nobody has ever died from a marijuana overdose. Right. You can go on a drinking binge and die that night. Cigarettes, when used properly, the end result is death. So the concern I have, and this is another point I'll make, is that what about is it used as a gateway drug? Certain people are saying that if kids are starting this at 15, 14. No, well, certain yeah. people don't know what they're talking about because when they say gateway drug, look at your own personal experience. The first drug all kids try is tobacco. Right. Yet they don't count that as a drug, do they? No. The second thing kids try is alcohol. So and here's, here's what's in your face on a gateway drug. In the states that have legalized marijuana, the use of heroin has gone down. The exact opposite of what they've told us. It would be, it will work against post-traumatic stress. It's helped soldiers. Wow. It'll work the, uh, the head injuries and the NFL, the head traumas. Yes. Marijuana will help that also. All known by the Cannabis University over in Israel, they've studied it. There are no more studies that need to be done. And so that's interesting. So you're saying that we aren't studying the alcohol use, and we're not studying the, the smoking tobacco, and kids are starting at 13 and drinking, and then they start marijuana, and they say, oh, it's marijuana that caused them to go on heroin. That's not the case. It's just an addiction that they— And, and, that's, and, 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 that, and that's proven false now. In the states that have legalized marijuana, heroin usage has gone down, not up, mm -hmm. down. You know, many people would give I mean, look at all the soldiers we're sending to these immoral wars right. over in the Middle East now. They're all coming home. 
and they have post-traumatic stress from combat, and marijuana has been proved to help them, but yet the government won't let them have it because the gov- this is a bigger issue than that. This is an right. issue that could stand up of us telling our government we're the boss because over 50% of Americans want it fully legalized now, and the only thing standing in the way is the lobbyists from pharma and alcohol and the government. The government's telling us they're being our parent here. Right. And it's time for us to step forward and say, no, 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 no. We're the boss. You work for us. We want marijuana legalized. It will help the economy. It will create jobs, clothing, biodiesel, fuel. Mm. Do I need to go on? And then the big thing, uh, Jesse's California, right? That's coming up for a vote for legalization throughout California, right? I don't know. I yeah. guess it yeah. is. They tell me it is. But we have to wait and see, right, <laughs> if it's going to happen or not. Well, no, no. But the, the point is, is that the, all the states are going to do it 